This is the daily podcast from St. Paul's Knightsbridge. An invitation to pause, to think, to reflect and to pray for not more than 10 minutes each day. I'm Alan Guile, and this week we're having five adventures with Pinocchio. Pinocchio looks at Geppetto and says, My nose grows now. Of course, we know that Pinocchio's nose only grows when he tells a lie, so if what he's saying is true, he must also be telling a lie. But if he's telling a lie, it can't be true that his nose is growing. This is called the Pinocchio paradox, and it's one version of a classic puzzle in philosophy and logic called generically the liar paradox. If I say to you, this sentence is false, any attempts by you to assign a classical binary truth value to the statement leads inexorably to contradiction, to paradox. This occurs because if the statement, this sentence is false, is true, then it is false. And this would mean that it is technically true, but also that it is false, and so on, world without end. A paradox is something that confounds human logic. The world of human thought is littered with them, in philosophy and logic, in mathematics, in decision theory, and, of course, not least in the world of human spirituality. While some paradoxes, like the Pinocchio paradox, embody logical absurdity, others express an existential tension. In the East, and indeed back in Japan where we were last week in these podcasts, the Zen Buddhist tradition is awash with so-called koans, puzzling paradoxical statements which are used by teachers to provoke and to measure progress in their disciples. One of the classics goes like this. Two hands clap and there is a sound. What is the sound of one hand? Paradoxical statements such as these are constructed to create in the thinker what is referred to as great doubt, a positive quality which throws them back into deeper reflection. The purpose of a paradox is not to achieve a solution. By definition, paradoxes remain, well, paradoxical and can't be solved but they can be reflected upon. In the midst of what we in the West think of as the Dark Ages, Imperial China was a hotbed of intellectual endeavour. And in that period, in thinking, a tradition called observing the phrase grew up, a process by which a student would enter into deep contemplation of the words of a paradoxical statement. What is the sound of one hand? and thereby into deep reflection on the tension the statement contained. Such engagement led to degrees of enlightenment and wisdom. Of course, long before Zen Buddhism took to itself the idea of paradox, it was embraced in the teaching of Jesus by the Christian tradition and in the life of the early church. And if in our Christian life we tend not to have, for the most part, that ideal of deep contemplation as the measure of spiritual progress, nonetheless we do live with some paradoxes deeply embedded in our common life and language. We preach about them, we pray about them, spiritual writers ponder them, and here we are podcasting about them. So this week, 
five adventures, as it were, with Pinocchio into the world of paradox. Monday, giving and receiving. In Acts 20, St. Paul makes an impassioned speech to the people of Ephesus, and he quotes Jesus, It is better to give than to receive, as the Lord says, says St. Paul, although this quotation itself provokes some reflection, because nowhere in the canonical Gospels does Jesus actually say it is better to give than to receive. And this may, of course, be because at the time St. Paul was teaching, the canonical Gospels hadn't reached their final form, and so presumably many of the sayings of Jesus were preserved not in books or on scrolls, but in the mind and the memory of the Church. No matter. Perhaps the words St. Paul is referring to didn't make the cut, even if St. Luke records St. Paul's saying in the second part of his Gospel story, the Acts of the Apostles. Nonetheless, this idea of the paradoxical tension between giving and receiving is one that is familiar, if not on the lips of Jesus in the Gospels, then in the Church's subsequent reflection on his life and death. Unless a grain of wheat fall and die, it will remain a single grain. For new life and growth, there must be a giving of life, a dying, whether literally or metaphorically. Such seems to be the story of Good Friday and Easter Day. Our very human instinct is, of course, to be acquisitive. We aim to gain, to get, to acquire, and thereby, through things, to secure ourselves and our future. And we rejoice that God gives so generously in creation. And without running headlong into the long grass and the weeds of any prosperity gospel, we hold close to us the idea that rejoicing in what we have is not a bad thing, but may just be an expression of thankfulness. The paradox is that we equally hold to ourselves a contrary view of the ordering of things, in which to lose, to renounce, to lay down is a prerequisite to gaining, the laying down of things a precursor to taking up the new, and being prepared to lose even life, the step on the way to new life. The spirituality of renunciation and humility is fed by this alternative view of the world. How do we reconcile these two views of the deep ordering of things? Well, perhaps the answer is that we don't, but that we need to hold these two in our hearts and minds in a paradoxical relationship, mulling them over not as a problem to be solved, but as a mystery to be entered into and lived out of. What do you think? One thing I notice is that as a vicar, I live much of the time with a fairly high level of anxiety about our finances as a small community organisation and parish. Our budget isn't huge, but in a way that makes it even tougher to live with. And though I know that I share the burden with some excellent colleagues, it never quite goes away. How will we meet our budget? How will we leverage more income? How will we get... These thoughts intrude sometimes in the middle of the night into more wholesome and pious vicarly thoughts and reflections. But I notice this. 
that since the first lockdown in March, we've stopped worrying and have laid down that anxiety for now, knowing that there isn't very much we can do. With the spare headspace and creativity, we have simply given ourselves to doing the very best job we could and can in the rather weird circumstances of our day. And here's the paradoxical thing, that even as we laid down our anxiety, the generosity of our supporters increased. We stopped asking, people started giving. How do we balance our budget and leverage income? Well, perhaps by laying that anxiety down. The relationship between giving and receiving seems to be non-linear, complex, even mysterious. <laughs> <laughs>